the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Luke. Sometimes when it relates to, again, we'll use the term the prodigal, as painful as it is, you have to let him go. You have to let him go. Nobody went after this guy. Now I imagine, this story doesn't tell us, I imagine the dad is home praying, distraught, thinking about what his son is doing and where his son is, wishing that he had him back. If you were the parent of a prodigal child, would you go chasing after them? You'll want to for sure, but if you're wise, you often just have to let them go their course. It's painful and heart-wrenching, but if you go and try to convince them with reason, or even to force them to return home, you're likely to just drive them further away. As Pastor Gary will explain in today's message, we need to continue to pray for them and entrust them to God who can work away at their hearts and draw them back. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Luke, chapter 15, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. For those who don't even know that they are lost, we need to go after them. We need to have this passion and desire to see that they would get saved. What does this woman do? You can kind of get this vision. She's going through her whole house. She's turning over every pillow. She's searching down through the crevices of the couch. She's sweeping the house. She's looking for this lost coin, and she finally finds it. And when she does, she rejoices. But sometimes as it relates to people, you will have contact with people, and they're not even aware of their lost state. And this is very difficult because the reality is you can't necessarily convince somebody of their lostness. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to come and do His good work in our hearts to bring us to the place where we are even aware of our need for a Savior. And there are a lot of friends that you have and co-workers and neighbors that you know, they have no clue how lost they are. They just don't. And what we need to be about is praying and helping that God would bring them to the place where they would recognize their need for a Savior. Some people are just too jolly well happy in life to recognize the deepest sin issue of their heart and how desperately wicked they are and how sinful every single human being is. And without that understanding, you will have no need, you think, or desire for a Savior. And so we need to pray the Holy Spirit will work in a person's life to bring them to that place where they're aware. And we have to be then ready and look for opportunities because there will be multiple chances for us to be instruments 
of the Lord in the lives of people who don't recognize that they're lost because there will be things that come along. And what happens when they feel hopeless? Well, you have hope. And what happens when they feel helpless and you have joy? And what happens when they feel guilty and you know forgiveness? And what happens when their life is just falling apart at the seams and you have peace? What happens when all of that begins to transpire in their life? And it will. At some point, every single person will feel at some stage or some point in their life, maybe a little hopeless, maybe a little helpless, maybe a little guilty, maybe a little shameful, maybe have a a lack of peace. There's full of strife, there's anxiety, there's worry, all these kind of things. They're going through a time of grief. They're going through a variety of experiences in their lifetime, which God can use to bring them to the place where they recognize then their own lostness. And what happens then? You and I had better be there. And we had better be there to tell them the reason for the hope that we have, the reason for the joy that we have, the reason for the grace and forgiveness that we've experienced, to tell them the story about the saving knowledge of Christ so that we can be that influence in the lives of people who don't even know how lost they are. A few years ago, I got a phone call here at church from a lady who used to attend here years ago, and then they moved out of the area, and she told me the tragic news of how her son and his wife and their young child had died, all three of them. It was a very tragic accident. They were living in an apartment, and the furnace, it was a gas furnace, and the furnace didn't operate properly, and they didn't have a carbon monoxide detector in the house, in their apartment, and while they slept, they died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Very tragic. Carbon monoxide is odorless, It is colorless, and it is lethal. And it's a picture of sin. Because sin is colorless, it is odorless, and it is lethal. And the tragedy of that family is that they didn't even know. Here they went to bed one night, they die, they didn't even know. And there are a lot of people in our world who are dying of sin, and they have no idea. They have no idea. They're like the coin. And so we need to be in a position where we are ready to be used by the Lord to minister His grace. But the Bible here in this illustration teaches us to go after them. To really be watching for the opportunity that the Holy Spirit will give us when He brings some conviction and awareness to the hearts of people for us to be there so that we can explain to them the joy that we have and the peace that we have and the truth and the love and the forgiveness that we've experienced that they might as well. When the opportunity presents itself, go after that lost coin. Search high and low. Go after them. Well, the last parable that he shares here, the parable of the lost son, it's the longest of the three. And I'm going to read uh, most of this from verse 11 down to verse 24. I'm going to divide this into two sections here because it really has to do with uh, two different people. One is the older son and one is the younger son. And the parable has to do mainly with the younger son, but the older son we come back to at the end of the story. So let me just read from verse 11 down through verse uh, 24 and then we'll, we'll dig it out. So Jesus continued, verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So we'll pause there for a moment in the parable. Again, you notice all the joy there. They began to celebrate. So here is this parable of the lost son. And, uh, you know, Jesus shares this story here about a father. He has two sons. There's a younger one. There's an older one. The older one is the good kid, if you will. He's the one who's very diligent, very faithful. He's the righteous son in the story. The younger son, he's the rebellious kid. He's the one who wants to, you know, kind of sow his oats. He just wants to experience the world. He wants to get out there on his own and experience all that world has to offer. And so he asks his dad for his inheritance in advance. Now, in ancient cultures, they do this sometimes, though it was rare. Sometimes the father would impart the inheritance to his kids before he died, but usually it was after he died. And here in this story, the father gives the inheritance to his younger son who wants his inheritance so he can go off and party hardy. And so this is what happens. He off he goes, takes a trip to Vegas. You know, he's uh, he's getting himself all into trouble here. It says that he squandered his wealth, verse 13, in wild living. Now, um, he's motivated here by foolishness and greed, just Plain and simple. He's motivated by foolishness and greed, and he squanders all he has, all of his wealth, in wild living. That is the only time in the Bible that phrase, wild living, is used. If you have a King James Bible, it says riotous living. Uh, The word prodigal is not found in the text, though sometimes we call this the story of the prodigal son. But prodigal, by definition, sometimes we misuse it. We think the word prodigal means someone who is estranged from the Lord. The word prodigal basically means a reckless Uh, spending of wealth. That's really what prodigal means, that you're living a reckless life and you're spending all that you have and you have no control and no restraint. That was this kid, okay? He's out, he's experiencing the world, he's foolishly using all his money. You know, I can just... Try to imagine, you know, in kind of modern terms, you know, here he is, he's going to strip clubs and nightclubs and he's, you know, and he's, he's snorting lines and he's, you know, he's sleeping around. He's doing all of this, okay? It's like Justin Bieber, okay? Kind of get a picture there? <laughs> yeah, I kind of picture Justin Bieber as the younger kid and Kurt Cameron from Growing Pains as the older kid, all right? That's kind of the picture I have. I don't know, that's a little distorted perhaps, but anyhow, so... So this, this is the way it's going down. Now, the younger son ends up, Jesus teaches the parable here, and ends up with nothing. He squandered it all, and so he gets a job. And the only job available is to feed pigs. They have to put yourself in the sandals of some people in these days, because for Jesus to talk in terms of working to help pigs, remember, pigs were not kosher. They would have gasped at this moment when Jesus is telling this parable. So yeah, there's this guy and he, and he lost all of his money and so he had to go feed pigs. 
And they would have been, oh, pigs, oh, how unholy is that? This is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. That's, I mean, that's the lowest of the low. And he's in the pig pens, and he begins to crave the food that he's giving the pigs. Because he's so hungry now, and he's so desperate, that his desperate condition has brought him to the place of his senses. His, his misery has brought him back to his sanity. Now, that is important to recognize in this story. You cannot rush the process. When somebody wants to be miserable, they want to live their life the way they want to live it, you will feel very helpless in trying to turn them around. And the truth is, sometimes they have to get to the bottom of themselves before they will ever see their need to climb up. And a lot of good-intentioned, loving parents, for example, want to rescue older kids who have rebelled and just, you know, started walking away from the Lord, and you want to do everything you can to rescue them. You cannot rescue them. It sometimes takes their misery before they will come back to their sanity. That's the story that is happening here. Please note the difference in the, in the previous two with this one here. The only reason this guy has come to the Lord is because at first he was content to be lost until a crisis came. That's what it will take sometimes for people who have walked away from the Lord. It will take a crisis. And as much as we want to hasten that process, we can't. And it feels very helpless, and it feels very hopeless. But you just can't rush that process of somebody getting to the bottom of themselves. And when you try to, you'll get in there and mess up what God might be trying to do. This is the one story out of the three. Please note this. Nobody went looking for that which was lost in this story. What does that mean? It means that sometimes when it relates to, again, we'll use the term the prodigal. As painful as it is, you have to let him go. You have to let him go. Nobody went after this guy. Now, I imagine, the story doesn't tell us, I imagine the dad is home praying, distraught, thinking about what his son is doing and where his son is, wishing that he had him back, asking and pleading and begging God to bring him home. I bet all that's going on in this house, and I assume that because we see he's a very loving, compassionate father, and any loving, compassionate father is going to want the best for his kids, and if his kid is out squandering his stuff and living the high life and riotous living and all this kind of stuff and and wild living, the heart of a parent is going to be broken over that. Any loving heart of a parent is going to be broken over a kid who's not walking with the Lord and running around and living, you know, and squandering their, their lives away. So... Here's dad at home, heartbroken, over a son who's living this wild life. But he doesn't go after him. He waits for his son to get to the place where he's at the bottom of himself. And the son does. He's in the middle of this pig pen and he realizes, I'm living a life just like these pigs. My life is a mess. And what I need to do is I need to get right with my father. And I need to tell him I'm a sinner and I need to run back home because the hired hands at my dad's house have it better off than I do. And so that would be good enough for me if I could just be one of his hired hands. I'm going home and I'm going to repent. And it's in this order because he first gets the idea of repent in his head. So he repents, 
returns, rejoins, and rejoices. That's what happens. He repents. He realizes first in his head, what I need to do is say, I'm sorry, I've sinned. He repents. Then he returns. And then he offers the same words of repentance to his father in the story. Then he rejoins the family. And then there is rejoicing. So it it is all in that order. Repent, return, rejoin, rejoice. That's what's happening in this story here. And dad is faithfully waiting. And you almost get the picture like dad is with bated breath at the window of the house because the son doesn't even get home all the way before dad sees him from a distance. And what does dad do? He goes running after him, running towards him, seeing his son come in a distance. And it says there in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see how compassionate and affectionate he is here. And again, many of you know this. This is a picture of our Father in heaven. He is compassionate. He is loving. And he pursues us with his love. This father was so glad to see his son that he went towards him to let his son know before his son even uttered the first words of sorrow and repentance, how much he loved him, how much he was glad he was back, and he welcomed him with open arms. And as painful and difficult sometimes as it is, what do we need to do for people like this prodigal son here? We need to wait for them. And then I just added out of you know what the Bible teaches, basically, is to pray for them. And to welcome them when they return. This is what this dad does. He waits for the son. And again, I'm I'm assuming this part, but this is just good common sense. We should pray and then welcome them when they return. Throw arms around them. Welcome back the prodigal. Okay, so this is a great picture for our relationship to Christ. And maybe some of you are estranged from the Lord. And you need to know that your father in heaven stands ready with open arms to welcome you back. He's a loving, compassionate father, just like the picture in this story. But what should we do towards people who are like the prodigal, like the younger son? We should wait for them, pray for them, and then welcome them when they come home. But we can't always rescue them as much as we want. We can't rescue them. And I've seen this in too many families over the years of ministry where, and I get it, I get the emotion behind it. Parents are broken hearted. They're broken up over their kid who's estranged and who's this prodigal kid and they are beside themselves and they are distraught and they want to do everything they can to bail this kid out. And I can just tell you, I don't want to say never because you should never say never. I've rarely seen that work. In 20 plus years of ministry, I've rarely seen it work where when you pursue the prodigal, go after them, try to convince them to come back, bail them, literally bail them out of jail and bring them back and hope that everything will work out. And here we've kept your room just the way it was. All this kind of stuff. I know it is rooted in a good heart, but it almost never works. Because until that person gets to the bottom of themselves, until they get in the most miserable place where they would recognize their deepest need for Jesus, you can run after them all you want. But until that happens, they might come back for a short time, but it won't stick for eternity until they get to the place where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired and they get to the bottom of themselves and they cry out to Jesus. 
And when that happens, when they get to that place, because you've been waiting and you've been praying, then you welcome them with open arms and you throw your arms around them and you love them and you make sure they don't feel rejected. You make sure they feel loved and welcome to come back and to be received and that fellowship is restored because that's what our loving Father has done for us and that's what we should do for every prodigal who is away from the Lord. Now, let's read the second part of this now. It's the other son. It's the older son. It's the good kid. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, the parable ends there. It doesn't tell us whether the older son changed his attitude and, and calmed down and said, you know, you're right. I'm just glad that the brother's home. So we don't know that part of it. What we do know is he's angry, he's bitter, he's upset. And the reason is because he thinks of himself as, I'm the good kid. I've been the good kid. I've been obedient. I've done everything you've wanted. I'm good. This isn't fair. Oh, yeah. I'm sure none of you have ever thought that in your life. But there are some people that view the world in terms of scales, like everything has to be fair. And if it's not fair, you feel gypped. And this kid feels gypped. He's like, I've been the good kid. I've always been here. You never gave me and my friends a fattened calf. (laughs) You know, we didn't even get so much as a goat. And then this guy comes home and he gets all of this and there's a parade and there's celebration, there's feasting. It's not fair. Let me tell you something. The picture is a picture of grace. The younger son has returned, and dad is now going to extend grace because it would have been enough for dad simply to say, you're forgiven, welcome home. But what does dad do for the younger son? Throws a lavish party, get the robe, put it back on my son. I want him to know his fellowship within the family and his restoration. All of that, the partying, the fattened calf, that's grace. That's the abundance of what that kid didn't deserve. That's over and above. That's grace. And you know the fact of the matter is, grace is never fair. And you better be thankful for that. Grace is never fair. And if you and I got what was fair, we wouldn't even understand grace. That's justice. That would be fair. We better thank the Lord that he's unfair in that sense. That his grace towards us is given to us when we don't deserve it. So if you have, for many, many years, been a a steady, solid follower of Jesus Christ... And then somebody comes at the last one. They've lived their life just, you know, as, as ever they wanted. And then they get heaven just like you get heaven. And they get heaven after all those years they haven't been living for Christ. And you've been living for Christ and serving him all these. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of salvation. And that's the wonder of grace. And that's the mystery of all that Christ has done for us. Be faithful. Love him. Serve him. Follow him. But don't begrudge anyone else who receives grace because you and I didn't deserve it either. And be that instrument as far as it depends on you, that whether you encounter a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost son, 
that you will be used by the Lord in whatever way possible to go after them or to wait for them and let the Lord do his good work in their hearts and in their lives and then be ready to welcome the prodigal home. Amen. The Gospel of Luke takes a unique look at the life of Christ from his birth to his ministry, his death and resurrection. Luke described Jesus as the Son of Man, one of his favorite ways to refer to himself. Jesus was God in human form, showing all of us what it means to live a completely sinless life. There was no fault to be found in him, yet Jesus was still nailed to a cross. But his death had purpose too. He stood in for you, taking the punishment your sin deserves. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death and the evil one. What an amazing Savior this Son of Man truly is. Are you interested in knowing more about Jesus, or would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we invite you to come join us this Sunday for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship at Cornerstone Chapel. Find out service times and more information when you visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find previous messages from Pastor Gary and be able to download our mobile app. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know